Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is a Lip Media Podcast. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respect to elders past and present and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be listening today. Welcome to the Gays Are Revolting, a dissection of social and cultural issues relevant to gay men. We put the BLT in, we put the G in <laughs> LG. <laughs> I'm hungry. We put the G in LGBTQIA+, and we're here to help you be the best G you could be. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter, or join our community on Facebook by searching The Gays Are Revolting. And support the show and access our after shows and live streams at patreon.com forward slash gaysrevolting. Hello, princesses. Hello. How are you? Isolation princesses, you're like tangled up in the tower. (laughs) (laughs) Mikey, how's your little tooth? My my little my little tooth ah. is fine. The hole's almost closed over, which is cute. But today, as the day that we're recording, which is the second of July, yeah. it is Josh and I's two year anniversary. anniversary. Oh, Congratulations yes, to me. <laughs> we made it. This is your longest relationship, hey? Ever, ever, and it's ah. my like first adult relationship as well. Um, well, I got to celebrate too. I also hit a relationship landmark. Is it like three days? It's week two, thank you oh. very much. <laughs> we we yeah. even prank phone called my daddy, my dad together uh, last night, and we accidentally drank two bottles of wine. But uh, keep keep tuned. You guys want to do a little bet in the Facebook group about whether we'll get to three or four weeks? Let's see. Put some money on it. Maybe it's such an opportunity of a lifetime. So I'm not sure if you guys have seen. It would be kind of hard not to, seeing as you're living in all the booger suburbs. Shut up. <laughs> but unfortunately, so for people who are unaware, Victoria is putting a lot of their suburbs into lockdown, uh, stage three lockdowns. Essentially what life was like back in March. Not allowed outside their houses unless it's for work, shopping, care, um, or exercise. Yes. Um, yeah, so there's going to be police patrolling a whole lot of neighborhoods. I think it's like 36 suburbs. 36 suburbs, and one of them is right next door to mine. Mm. Bit of a downer. Like, Australia's really making fun of Victoria at the moment. Oh, my God. The <laughs> We're the real boogers the of the country. <laughs> Hopefully, these suburbs can get it on track because Dan Andrews did say it might expand to the rest of Victoria if they can't. So, please, please, God, just again. get it together so we can all carry it on. Yeah. living our lives <laughs> but i was thinking about it on the tram today and i was like during a pandemic you have like it's this weird space where you have like a personal responsibility to yourself yes. but you yeah. also have like a societal responsibility to the rest of the world and we're so very rarely in that position mm-hmm. if if you're in a hot spot it fucking sucks and it segregates us into the haves and haves nots again mm-hmm. yeah but the best part of this fucking story, which is so funny, <laughs> did you guys? Are we talking guys, about the security guards? The security guards. So it oh was my in God. the news. Ridiculous. Part of, part of the outbreak was the fact that when they quarantined travelers in these hotels, in hotels yeah, they hired inexperienced private, private security guards who were having sex. With were they actually security guards or were they like strippers dressed as security guards? <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a whole lot of stripping, baby. Yeah. But that was one of That's the causes. Crazy. Like, our suburbs are getting locked down because the security guards were fucking... People be having sex. 
It sounds yeah. like it was a real wild time in that hotel. Yeah, yeah it sounds like people it were went really off. bored. This is going to be like a Netflix movie, but like seduction. <laughs> like, we met in the love in the time of coronavirus. That's yeah. what it's going to be called. Paul Mitzi is one of the hosts of fellow Lip Media show, What a Network, the Swapcast podcast, a unique journey. We actually met in Adelaide and we had a good chat about this. A unique journey into the wonderful world of the body swap trope. That's when Freaky Friday people, the bodies mm-hmm. move around. There's so many and movies. in their inane quest to find gold in an oversaturated genre. There's not enough of those films, if you ask me. <laughs> well, <laughs> Thank you for finally, we met in Adelaide like a year ago, but thank you for finally yes, coming on to our little gay show. <laughs> thanks thank so you. much for being here, Paul. And thanks for the lift home you gave Tom and I after our Adelaide live show. <laughs> <laughs> it was really nice of you. Yeah, he didn't no let worries, me in the anytime. Car. Yeah, well, I didn't want to get it dirty, so. (laughs) (laughs) And we actually have a pretty cool uh, interview tonight with Paul. Uh, You're going to be chatting to us about some essential queer viewing we may have missed over the last year or so. Uh, But first, your podcast is pretty damn awesome. How many body swap films have you reviewed? Yeah, so we've been going for about three years now, and we've done 42 movies so far. Oh, my God. Awesome. Yeah, uh, we started with like kind of like the freaky friday ones mm-hmm, but we've kind yeah. of ventured out into like many different facets of the body swap film mm-hmm. genre so i've got like a master list that could keep us going for about <laughs> another five years at least and they keep making more all the time so um we'll be around forever does the fly <laughs> count as a body swap because he's sort of like mutating into a fly um, I guess it could be. I mean, recently we did the Velocipaster, which is about a priest that turns into a dinosaur. Shut up. So, <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> so I guess, you know, might as well throw the fly in the list. Tell us a couple of like sort of your favourite body swap films that you've reviewed so far. And what are some that you really want to review like right now that are your favourites as well? Okay, so... What I say when people ask me about the show is, like, everybody, when they go to listen, they always listen to, like, the Freaky Friday episode or the 13 going on 30 because those are the movies that everyone's watched and loved. Mm -hmm. I would definitely recommend, if you're going to listen to our show, find the movies that sound like they're going to be terrible because they're usually the most entertaining episodes to listen to because we just, like, love ripping movies apart. Yeah, that's the best. Um, (laughs) So, Bad Johnson... Yeah. which is a movie about a man, a womanizer who is um, sick of all the problems that his penis gets him into, so wish makes a wish and oh. his penis actually becomes a sentient human being. I've unfortunately seen this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so you can attest to how terrible it is, I'm yeah, sure. It's, it's it sounds awful. good. <laughs> it sounds good. Um, so I would definitely recommend listening to that episode. Another fun one is Prelude to a Kiss. Have you guys heard of this one? No. It's it's a 90s um, romantic I mean. drama starring um, Meg Ryan and Alec Baldwin. Love Where her. Meg Ryan swaps with an old man and okay. then Alec Baldwin kind of continues a relationship with the old man. So it has like scenes of like a 30-year-old Alec Baldwin having makeout sessions oh. with like an 80-year-old man. Um, it's a really terrible movie, um, but yeah, <laughs> listen to that episode. How much oral sex is in that movie? Because I, uh, it's just nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a good movie. <laughs> um, one that we definitely want to do on the show is um, Face Off, and we've oh, said yeah. that if if we get a hundred reviews on iTunes, we will do it. For oh. the people that don't know, Face Off is a um, '90s action film directed by John Woo where um, Nicolas Cage and um, John Travolta Travolta swap faces. Um, And (laughs) so it's an an action classic, but it's also completely ridiculous, makes no sense. But the thing is, like, they only swap faces, but John Travolta's wife's having sex with John Travolta, which is actually Nicolas Cage with John Travolta's face, but doesn't like notice that his dick's changed. He doesn't so. notice the whole body. <laughs> or like... So tune in for five stars to be reviewing that <laughs> yeah. one, guys. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> Get around it. So, yeah, today I'm going to be running down uh, some movies from the last couple of years that you – uh, like queer movies that you may have not heard of. So I haven't really focused on like the big uh, ones that, you know, have gotten awards attention that yeah. everyone's been talking about, like Portrait of a Lady on Fire and Pain and Glory, the Antonio Banderas films, like mm. all films that you should all watch and are amazing. But these are maybe more under the radar films. Mm. First to start us off for the evening, um, I think one that we should highlight definitely is the documentary um, about Pride and 50 Years of Stonewall that has just come out recently. Yeah, so um, the movie is State of Pride, which is a film you can actually watch for free on YouTube right now. It was created by YouTube. Oh, um, it was made by this LGBT activist, Raymond Braun. He creates a lot of content for YouTube. Yeah. It was to mark the 50-year anniversary of Stonewall and kind of chart where Pride has what it has evolved to especially in America and in small towns like a lot of small towns are getting their first ever pride parades and what that means for the people in those towns yeah mm. it's really really um interesting documentary and uh, really mindful to include all the different demographics and mm. how pride affects them so it talks to like trans people and people sex workers African-Americans, um, really interestingly, um, a gay Mormon who then had a spinal cord injury and is now in a wheelchair. Oh. So, like, uh, he's got, like, a really interesting, you know, history as someone who has escaped the Mormon faith but also uh, disabled uh, queer people are often a demographic that's forgotten about. So, um, yeah, really heartwarming and inspirational film, but really encompassing like a lot of the issues that are facing the queer community. Mm. And Raymond Raymond was a guest star on the makeover challenge of RuPaul's Drag Race. You'll remember oh, yes, that. Yes, he was. <gasps> that episode where they made over the YouTube. Oh my God, yeah. YouTubers. Right. Uh, which yeah, one is he? Like, like, who made him over? He was he with was... Asia O'Hara. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like super cute. Love him. I, I liked seeing this had quite a diverse representation because when it started off, I was like, oh shit, this better not mm. be. Yeah, what yeah. does pride mean to me being white 50 years later? But they yeah, actually, yeah. they delve into a few different perspectives, uh, which is always appreciated for a platform as big as YouTube where it could have yeah. ended up in a, a, a Love Simon territory of you know, everything's perfect and everything's white as white. Although, although my mortal enemy appears in this one. Yeah, Mr. Troy Sivan. Sure. My <laughs> mortal enemy. <laughs> if he ever listens to this show, I'm so sorry, Troy, but there's something about it. <laughs> Rubs me the wrong. I'm so sorry. Don't worry, Troy. I'll be your friend. I like you. I like Forget you. about Luke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and the best good. thing about it, free on YouTube. Like, hell, oh, yeah. You can just go and watch it now. Especially in this COVID world where you may not be able to attend Pride events as well. <laughs> it, it, it was a nice reminder of like what Pride parades and parties were like in the yeah. whole world. Yeah. Remember, remember, like, remember drinking? Oh. It also gave me a lot of anxiety seeing all those people touching. I was like, oh, I know. Oh. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> yeah. The next film really excited me. I feel like I'm on, you, you guys ever watch David and Margaret at the movies? No, you remember no, that no. show? Yes, yes. Thank you, I, Paul. <laughs> I actually used to be on the David and Margaret movie forum. And wow. I've made I made so many friends on that forum that I still like see in real really? life. Really? That's so cool. Yeah. When I went to Melbourne this year, I actually met up with people I met on the movie show forum back in like 1999. So. Oh my god. <laughs> David and Margaret bringing people together. Oh, That's it. Oh, you've got to check them me. out. They're, they're like an Australian institute. Like oh, okay. they've reviewed yep. films for years and years. And Margaret's like this older fashionista kind of, oh, yeah. you know. And then then David's kind of this stuffy, like, I don't really like this movie's got a lot so of. So, what they review like current movies coming out? Mm. They mm. used to. They, they, they used to be like the Roger Ebert, Siskel right. and Ebert kind of pair in Australia. Okay. So. I feel like that right now, but the next film, I, I, this one stood out to me. I really Same. can't, 
can't wait to be seeing this because I it's a documentary um uh, about trans sex workers from Brazil. So it's also a cultural shift from what we're used to seeing in portrayals of the LGBT community, as well as showing a little bit of the how multi-layered sex work can be. It's not this black and white sort of you're forced into prostitution thing. I, I think these stories are really important to be sharing at the moment, showing uh, different cultures as well as shedding light on what sex work can actually mean for an individual and what it is like in the real life. So if you could, what's your take on our next film, um, Margaret? So so this film's called Queen of Looper and you can actually stream it um, on the distributor's website. They've made it available worldwide at the moment, um, which is factory25.com. All words, no numbers, factory25.com. And, uh, yeah, it's about a a trans woman called Luana Munez who has become kind of like a cult figure in Rio. Um, And she's been a trans sex worker since the age of 11. Um, She's now an elderly woman. Well, she was Mm. at the time of filming this. She's now passed away since the documentary is filmed. Um, But she's gotten to a point in her life where she was able to buy this hostel and kind of use it as a way of having all the other trans sex workers have a safe space to run their business out of. So she's become like a pillar in that community because as the documentary shows, it's an extremely harsh reality Mm. for these trans women. Every time they kind of walk out the door to try to get clients, they are opening themselves up to potential violence and rape. And they all have these like stories that they just casually um, dole out about, you know, that time I met this guy and then he tried to choke me to death or, you know, and it's just such a, you know, ingrained part of their life and they've kind of resigned themselves to it in a way that, you know, I'm trans, this is the life that's available for me, this is all I can really have. But it's also not all doom and gloom because you also see this, like, community and found family within this hostel that they've created for each other, that they've got that safe space and companionship with each other. So um, the... Documentary has been made in a very like cinema verite style. There's no voiceovers. There's no talking head interviews. It kind of just shows, it shows their life. It's a snapshot of their lives and a snapshot of who Luana Munez was. So a really fascinating documentary. It only runs for like around 70 minutes. So definitely something I think people should be seeking out. It's a peek into a world that we don't normally see or or that we take into consideration when even on the show if we're discussing things like issues that affect the lgbtqia plus community it's it's very easy to forget you know that there are people that are a part of our community living in a world that is nothing like the world that we we live in complaining about Troy Sivan for, for <laughs> <laughs> well not we complaining you complaining you're the one <laughs> <laughs> for listening again he's the enemy we like you <laughs> we all don't like him but uh, I, I love documentaries like this because they bring that visibility and it's a reminder as you watch it that the community is bigger than our backyards mm-hmm. and that when we do something for the rights of LGBTQI people they they have a trickle down effect and we need to yeah. be thinking about the broader worldview. So I, I'm, I, I'm really excited to see this one. Same. Like just watching the trailer, I was just like, what really drew me in. It was like how real and raw all of it is. Like it's literally just a depiction of what their life is and like giving us an insight. So no, I'm very much there with you, Luke. I'm very excited to see this one. Um, the next movie we're, we're talking about um, is a bit of a teenage love story between two handsome high school boys in America. This film, I was going to say, is it giving love Simon vibes, but it kind of seems a bit more serious than that. Um, yeah, definitely. It's um, a film called Giant Little Ones and uh, you can actually rent it on Canopy, which I don't know if you guys know, Canopy is a streaming service that's just been made available in Australia that you get for free with any library card or um, university card. And it's oh, got a cool. huge, 
it's got a huge um, back catalogue in there. New awesome. films, TV shows, Canopy with a K, K-A-N-O-P-Y. Um, and, yeah, all you need is a library card. And you got I'm it. signing up to the library. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Find a library, but yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Giant Little Ones is like a coming-of-age film, which, you know, like, Coming-of-age films about good-looking twinks coming out of the closet are a dime a dozen. Like, they make 10 of these a year. But um, this one, I feel, is a lot more nuanced than most um, because it refuses to put any of the characters' sexualities in a box. Mm. It's about the fluidity of sexuality, the main character kind of discovering who he was and realising that maybe he can't put himself into a specific box. So I think that really makes it stand out. Mm. The story of it is about a, a teen boy who makes out with his male best friend after a drunken night. Sounds like JB and I. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that just like forces him to confront sexuality and his relationship with his gay father who he kind of cut out of his life when his dad came out of the closet and then he realises that he might be closer to his father than he thinks. Um, Daddy. um, Yeah. (laughs) 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 um, I actually watched a film called Daddy recently which was about a guy he um starts a relationship with his intern and then he finds out that the intern was actually his biological son that he didn't no. realize oh, shit. oh that's yeah. messed up <laughs> no. that's Stan. i'm not going to recommend that film because it's oh. actually gross but um i think that'll probably be the what most watched film we talk about people are Googling Googling people. Right now. Oh, no. <laughs> Last week, Luke actually referred to his own father by daddy, but I'm not sure if that was on air. <laughs> Did we cut that? Because I accidentally I said remember, it again. We were all disgusted by it. <laughs> what I want to ask about this film is how come so many like gay teenage love stories, the guys are always part of swim teams? And I yeah. think it's, <laughs> I think the it's sports team. It is. It's because it's the most skin showing. So I think it's gay. so the characters <laughs> have to take their shirts off all the time. But I feel like every one of the like coming out of the closet stories I've seen in high school is they're always like at a swim meet. They're at a swim meet. <laughs> Look, I feel like for a lot of young gay boys, that's where they first discover tingles. They see yeah. abs yeah. and bulges. Yeah. I crack yeah. a boner whenever I smell chlorine. Seriously. (laughs) I hope everyone listening does check out these films. At least hop onto YouTube and check out the trailers for each of these films. I literally want to watch every single one of them. (laughs) They all look so interesting. The more gay content you watch, the more uh, content gets made. You you know, if we ain't watching the films, they're not going to make any more of them. Uh, Next up, the film that we're going to chat about um, has been written and directed by uh, Alice Wu. It is a Netflix teen drama with a bit of a twist, this one. Um, She can see dead people. (laughs) 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 You already did that one. (laughs) Look, adaptations of Cyrano de Bergerac happen all the time. We've had like Roxanne with Steve Martin, whatever it takes with James Franco, The Ugly Truth with Catherine Heigl and Netflix even did one last year called Sierra Burgess is a Loser with Noah Centineo, which was terrible. I didn't but see this, that. Oh, yeah. that one, yeah, bad. Terrible. That one's like <laughs> 10 minutes, and I was like, nah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this one really stands out from the crowd. I think this is a really beautiful I've watched film. This. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you did you enjoy it? I really did. I thought it was really cute and I felt like a fresh take. And I'm glad what it wasn't just one? like, have we said the name of it yet? No. Yeah, uh, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah. The film's called The Half of It. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's about a high school jock. He hires the quiet, nerdy girl in his class to write love letters to his crush. But then the nerdy girl starts to realise that she might actually be falling for his crush as well. Yeah. It's kind of like that love triangle aspect to it. But also the film really f- centres around the friendship that forms between mm, really her and the job. Yeah. And um, because like the film was made by an um, Asian-American filmmaker, the film also touches on that aspect of the main character because she's like her dad's Chinese and he's Mm. um, moved to this small town and they're the only Asians in the town. So there's a a lot more going on than you'd expect in your average teen movie. This is the one that I like compared to naked swimming Mm. teens. This one, Asian (laughs) Asian representation, I was like, I'm on board. 
this is like it kind of is like clueless and things like like taking a classic text and putting it in a modern context and and a digger and i think as a whole like netflix with representation has just been like killing it lately Mm. like queer representation and um representing different races that we don't usually see like the newer netflix series never have i ever which is like Mm. oh i love series i just all got renewed for season two today yeah Yeah, really excited about that Um, yeah, good work, Netflix. Uh, surprisingly, the next movie that we're going to talk about is also about a water sport. <laughs> <laughs> a water sport. But are there any, before we talk about it, Paul, are there any films you recommend about the sexual water sports? Any interesting films about oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, what, wasn't Wasn't that the film that you were pitching to Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> There's a market for it. it yeah, it's kind of like a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids film, but it's about oh, water yeah. sports. I'm being serious now. I'm being earnest. <laughs> I, just I don't think I've seen any water sports-centric films but mm. maybe that's because i'd probably avoid them yeah. as a rule but <laughs> it's, it's a valid fetish that people enjoy uh, and a kink yeah. that i think that we've got a documentary about tickling for christ's sakes maybe we got one about yeah. water spots <laughs> yeah well i mean listeners if you know any good water sport films uh maybe just Hold on, listeners, if you've made any good water sports. Oh, no, 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 I'm going <laughs> send, send those directly. <laughs> <laughs> but the next film we're talking about is actually, it's an international film. It's a French film. Uh, mm. It's about a, a gay water polo team going to the, the, the gay games. Um, and the team's called the Shiny the shiny Shrimps. So this mm. one looked fun as well. This looked like it looked a really camp, fun. camp yeah. as hell. Yes. So this is, uh, yeah, this film's called The Shiny Shrimps and you can watch this on Stan. It's um, streaming on Stan at the moment. This is, I would say, France's answer to Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. It did um, give me those vibes. Yeah, that's totally yeah. vibe. Yeah. So it's based on a true story and it's about like a, a famous swimmer who made a homophobic remark on TV and as a punishment, the swimming corporation forces him to coach a gay water polo team you don't like the gays yeah hang out with them <laughs> so when i heard the concept of this i was like oh yeah, here we go here's another like queer story through the lens of a straight white yeah. character yeah. But the film isn't that at all. Like, the film is from the point of view of the people in the gay water polo team primarily, and it's a film that does not shy away from the queerness at all. It's really heartwarming and funny and full of, like, super fun music and it's a road trip and a sports film. And it's just like a real crowd pleaser that I feel like once people actually watch it, it will become a bit of a cult hit around the queer circles. I mean, sometimes like French subtitled, it can sound like a bit of homework, but honestly, it's just such a crowd pleaser. So I would really, out of all the films that we're talking about, this is the one I'd really urge people to seek out and watch. Really? If, if you're scared of subtitles, you've got to figure something out, babe. You're missing out on some good good films this looks funny i and and there's lots of shirtless stuff in this film too yeah a little bit of um extra and it's a true story as well so it's like you know you're learning about oh that makes it so much cuter (laughs) yeah Um, tissues as well because you will cry at the end oh my god (laughs) um a last movie we're discussing back to the u.s it looks um, it looks a bit like trashy, fun, good viewing. Uh, it's called The Thing About Harry, starring Jake Borelli. Yeah, so this is the one um, you might have to do a bit of like Luke's favourite pastime and pirate this one. <laughs> not officially. You're not condoning this. <laughs> we will not be arrested um, for our listeners. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's not officially available in Australia as, as yet. But this film um, kind of set a bit of history this year because it was the first ever queer romantic comedy TV movie from a major network. No one had actually ever done it before. So, um, and it really does lean into the romantic comedy tropes. Like if this was a movie, a, a straight romantic comedy, this would be starring, you know, 
Sandra Bullock or Julia Roberts or Meg Ryan, Catherine like <laughs> yeah, or Catherine Heigl, and he <laughs> uses when Harry met Sally as kind of like a template. Um, it's like about two guys that hated each other in high school, and then they meet when they're like college age. Like sparks fly, but they want to remain as friends, and then it like time jumps to every Valentine's Day, like oh really? Manage to like meet up again, and and one of the guys is pansexual, so he ends up dating the other one's female best friend, and it creates all these complications. But yeah, it's super cute, fluffy, and predictable in every way. (laughs) I was just saying that what a romantic comedy to be. It's so nice seeing these kind of really classic, super predictable Mm. movies and TV shows, but then nowadays with gay like main characters in them it just feels like safe <laughs> like because you like yeah. <laughs> you've just always wanted these like your whole life because you've grown up with them and now you get to finally see yourself in them and it just feels like really like heartwarming and safe and just nice just being able to like know that you can predict everything that's going to happen and it just feels mm-hmm. and, and like how nice is it like it was on freeform uh, which is a channel in the u.s owned by disney like they do shows like the bold type and josh thomas's show everything's going to be okay so it's like one, a, a station owned by Disney to a station that's targeted at teen audiences and they're making like unabashedly queer content, putting it in prime time. This was their big Valentine's Day release. Mm. The film also has a cameo from Karamo um, who, plays, who plays a daddy in it that one of them dates briefly. Yeah, um, okay, well, I'm 100% <laughs> <old> now. <laughs> <laughs> Do the wrong thing and seek it out in Australia. <laughs> uh, Just find some other means, wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> Usually I'd say fly over to America, watch it and come oh, back. You there. can't even do that right now. Has right <laughs> <laughs> anyone watched um, Love, Victor? No, I yes. watched I watched all of it like a couple of days ago. I thought it was like that's what I was referring to when I say just really nice and cute predictability. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Mm, I really liked it. And they don't make enough. They don't. You you guys are happy we're getting these queer romance stories. I want more queer horror films. I want more. Queer oh, absolutely, bring it on! I mean, every day in our lives is a queer horror film. <laughs> <laughs> we have point. enough. <laughs> well, Paul, this has been really really fun. So thank you so, so much fun. for coming on the show tonight. No worries. Have me back anytime. Of course. We could do it like regular, like a movie, you know, and then when we can have popcorn in the room. And then you can give me another lift home. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm also like have an Uber service. So Next time, don't <laughs> let me go off into the night with strangers. Like, <laughs> you I and I both know that I'm not going to stop you. Like. <laughs> That's a force that cannot be stopped. How did that even happen? I didn't know any of those people. But uh, yeah, thank you so much. It's so fun to talk film, and and we've got. I, I love being able to share with our listeners some some queer content, what they can be checking out. Uh, speaking of queer content, please do check out Paul's podcast, the Swapcast podcast, and and it's yes, wor- it's do. wherever you listen to us, you can listen to that. So you can swap podcasts. Do it. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
Britt East is an author and speaker who uses his experiences to challenge and inspire change-oriented gay men to get down to the business of improving their lives. His new book, A Gay Man's Guide to Life, is a resource for gay men who've experienced societal homophobia to put in the work to live their best lives. Britt, thank you so much for joining us all the way from Seattle. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, super exciting. Um, Now, Britt, in your book, you've addressed many of the struggles that gay men face, and you've provided actionable information to change the way that gay men approach life. What are sort of like some of the obstacles do you think that are standing in the way of achieving happiness for gay men? You know, I think the single largest one is we have, as gay men, we have spent most of our lives living a lie, frankly. We we grow up isolated and alone because even the most well-intended parents do not raise gay kids, culturally speaking, I mean. Um, so we have to find our own way in the world. We have to find our gay peers. We have to learn about our gay culture and cobble that together with our own two hands. Mm. And one of the inevitable unintended consequences is that we learn to put on a series of masks to hide from the world, to keep people from harming us, hurting us, abusing us, and ultimately knowing us. And that has led to an epidemic of loneliness because Mm. what those tactics, while they may serve us as children, eventually they turn into obstacles and they prevent us from being vulnerable, seen and known and loved. And so we then wonder why we have trouble finding a spouse or a partner. We wonder why we move from one transactional sexual relationship to another. And so I think one of the things in this book that I challenge gay men to do is to really get to know themselves, to take a fearless moral inventory, look at themselves in the mirror, figure out who they are, and then go be it. Go be themselves with all their might, shine with as brightly as possible. You know, that's really the the greatest gift that any of us has to offer Mm. the world. Absolutely. Um, You also grew up in Tennessee and describe it as a place where intellectuals were punished and the differences were destroyed. You describe having to learn how to slink in the shadows, something you call narrow casting. Could you talk a bit about gay men's tendency to do that? Yeah. You know, I think... We all kind of carve out our own space in this world. And the route I chose was one of middling achievement, meaning I did not dare shine too brightly Mm. and I did not dare fall too far so that I could kind of fall through the cracks, but on purpose because I was so desperately afraid to be seen. I so I w- which was ironic cuz I also really wanted to be known and loved. So I was mm. in this paradox. I was trapped in this paradox. And that was reinforced by the culture at large. Um 1980s Tennessee was a place where homogeneity was a virtue. Mm. And like I said differences were destroyed. And it wasn't just being gay. All sorts of differences were destroyed if you were intellectual or artistic or what have you. So I learned how to straddle multiple worlds, but to my detriment, myself never formed. So Mm -hmm. as an adult, I had to go back and do that on my own. That's the thing, because like there's so much that you learn or self-learn as a child that you don't Mm -hmm. realize until you're an adult that you're just like, oh, hang on a second. This isn't a healthy thing. I probably need to unpack all of this. And so many of us as gay men don't even have the strength to do Mm -hmm. that. So I think having a book like what you've written is such an amazing thing to put out there. Mm. So you've also described having joined a 12-step program for codependency Mm. during a turbulent relationship. What did you learn about the way that you approach romantic love? I learned I was completely unprepared. Mm. (laughs) Because I did not have that foundation, Mm -hmm. I, I expected my partner at the time to be my everything. We were the same age and we'd been together for ultimately seven years. We stayed together for quite a while. And this was in the early nineties before I was really even done, you know, a monogamous relationship in our early twenties at that age. And unknowingly, I expected him to be my guide, my mentor, my teacher. And, and it was patently unfair. I just thrust all these expectations on him without even realizing I was doing it because I was so desperate to be joined in this world. And what that meant is inevitably there was a downfall as, as would happen in any relationship. In Mm -hmm. our case, the downfall was 
was uh, traumatic because he was arrested for having sex with a minor. And it just exploded my world like an atom bomb dropping on my world. It leveled my very existence. Mm. And I decided to stay with him, not out of forgiveness or altruism, but out of desperate longing because Mm -hmm. I was so codependent. I had such an excessive emotional reliance on him and the relationship. I really had nowhere to turn. And by some miracle, he got into the a 12 step program for sex addiction because it turned out he was having lots of sex. And this is before that term was even really used in the public that much. This was a long time ago. Yeah. And by another miracle, it turns out there was a companion program called codependence to sex addicts. So I, I watched him get in his 12 step program and he started to get better. And I got mm-hmm. livid. I was yeah. so resentful watching him heal. And learn to love himself. So I thought I'll show him. I'll get into my own. It was a miracle. Yeah, because the first time in my life, I started to get real. Sure. I took off the mask and I started to be myself. And in these rooms, holding hands with these beautiful, broken people who were just like me, sharing our darkest secrets. And and I realized that I'm not alone. And I can I can be myself. And that's where I found my voice. So what I learned about love is that, of course, like has become a cliche um, since or maybe always was, you have to love yourself first before you can love anybody else. Absolutely. And you've also described yourself as many of us and gay men in general having an awful relationship with your body in the past. In what ways have you kind of um, reconciled those negative feelings? You know, the, my body was the first thing I ever hated about myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was what betrayed me. It was my body that was lusting after all these boys. It was my body that was swishy and feminine and that made me a sissy. My voice, my swishy gestures. It was my body that was a threat to my very life. Think what that does to you. You guys know, of course, but for, for your listeners who don't, it fractures your life. It permanently distorts the contours of your life until you go back and heal that poor woundedness. And so... My body became a a repository for my self-hate and um, I bought into the beauty myth and I knew that I was not a part of it. Mm. Even with all of my privileges, even with all my good fortune, I still hated the way that I looked like so many gay men do. I looked in the mirror and I hated everything about myself and none of it really had to do with my physical features. It was all an inside job. Mm -hmm. And so I had to go back and learn how to love myself and that happened through yoga. Um, oh, it happened through yeah, sitting together in community with people and sweating it out and mm-hmm. working out all the year, those years of toxins. And it felt like almost a kind of a dance, yeah. these yoga classes. And I felt beautiful for the first time in my life. And nobody said anything. Nobody was looking at me. Everybody yeah. was just doing their own thing. It was all about me all along. Yeah, because yeah. it's like it's yoga is a, f- a form of meditation. So mm-hmm. like you really are just with yourself and your own yeah. thoughts. God, it gives you that space to yoga. do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad idea. It works for many people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, sort of the topic of friendship between gay men is also something that you've written about. What's sort of your take on that? Well, you know, I want s- straight people to understand that gay culture is intrinsically different. We have our own unique culture and and we love it. And it's something to be celebrated. And one of the beautiful things about our culture is that friends become lovers and lovers become friends. And there's all sorts of reasons for that. But it's wonderful. It's wonderful. We don't have those same narrow life scripts that a lot of straight people feel beholden to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's something that's really beautiful. And we also have our our struggles as a culture mm. with friendship. And because we are often, you know, we, we don't deal with the, in America, we have the when Harry met Sally kind of cliche based on that movie that says that men and women can't be friends because sex gets in the way. Yeah. Well, because of gay culture, we don't really have that. But what we do have is internalized homophobia. Yeah. And what we do have is cruising. And it leads to two different dynamics. One is that dynamic of twinning, where if I find somebody who looks like me mm. they, and might be into what I'm into, then we can work a room together. So it's a utilitarian transactional friendship, not based on mutual love or respect, mm. but more based on appetite and preference. And so it becomes a kind of usury at its worst. And, and what we also have is a kind of um, misogyny based on our internalized homophobia, where we hate what we, what we describe 
at least inwardly as feminine. These, mm-hmm. these culturally constituted gendered terms, which do nothing but belittle those parts of us that are, that are unique and divine, we often self-immolate. And then invariably, we turn that outwardly to our friends. If we meet femininity in ourselves that we loathe, and we see those in other gay men, mm. then it can impact adversely impact our friendships. And then the last dynamic is racism. In the U.S., racism among gay people is rampant and repugnant. You would think that we would know better because we're the victims victims of so much bias and stigma. But, you know, based on my research, if it could be quantified, I am ashamed to say that I feel like gay men are just about the most racist segment of any society in the, of, of our society in the U.S. And it's really a shame. And mm. we, we're really just enslaving ourselves to our own fear and self-loathing. And we're mm. really the ones losing out. We're the ones missing out. Absolutely. Mm. Totally. On the on the topic of racism, like we gay men owe so many of civil rights to people yes. of color and women too. Yeah. Yet there's still all these gender and racial prejudices floating mm-hmm. about in our community. Yes. I'm so glad that you said that because yeah. we just had a major legal victory in the US called Title VII, which says that um, it's now illegal for any employer to discriminate based on your sexual orientation mm, yes. um, and your gender orientation, which is m- amazing. But what people may not know is that it has there's a direct through line between um, that new right that's been granted us, because before it was a really fractured, uneven, state-driven system of laws. Now it's been federated. But there's a through line between that and the Civil Rights Act. Mm-hmm. in 1965. And so that's just one small example, but really almost every piece of gay rights legislation has some through line to the civil rights struggle for black Americans. Mm-hmm. Moral issues notwithstanding, if you're only purely self-interested and cynical, it still behooves us to to um, lift up um, others of different races but, you know, I think in terms of what we witness today, it, it occurs from everything from the fearing and fetishizing of black genitalia to yeah. the um, re- abject rejection of Asian men. Mm-hmm. And you see this play out every day on hookup apps. Oh, yeah. Purely absolutely. transactional statements. Yeah. You see this play out in Instagram pages with photos of lots of shirtless white guys. Yeah. People don't realize the unintended consequences and harm they're doing both to their own lives and to the community at large, what people of color feel and see when they when they encounter those images. And, you know, in, at least in America, white people tend to project a fantasy land that they pour themselves into about hev- how everything is really nice because it's convenient for them, not realizing that it's just a matter of privilege. And so what we can do is we can shop at minority-owned businesses. We can be friends with people of color. We can date them, not because they're people of color, but because that's the inevitable consequence when two souls meet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before you were, you mentioned the um, how in the United States it got ruled that you can't be fired anymore for your sexual orientation. In Australia, um, religious organizations are actually exempt from mm. similar discrimination laws. Mm. Is that the case in the U.S.? Not yet, but the laws are dynamic and there's court challenges all the time. And on the ground, really, in, at least in the U.S., any employer can fire you for anything that they want. And of Sure, you have the potential for legal recourse and you might recoup lost wages, but that could take years and you have to find an attorney who's willing to to go on that path with you and maybe even maybe even work pro bono. So on the ground, it's still very problematic. We have not changed any hearts or minds with this legislation, even though it's a huge victory and milestone Mm. step forward. And like you, like you imply, there's all sorts of le- potential legal challenges in the works. As, as we're sitting here, I'm sure there are conservative religious-based organizations around the country, just like with the right to abortion, who are figuring out how they can start to chip away and challenge this law in all sorts of lower courts. So the fight is never done. Mm-hmm. Well, we talk a lot about unity in the LGBTQIA plus community, but why does our community sometimes feel so tenuous? And how would you explain some of the fragmentations that we see in it? I have lots of theories about it. You know, I think that 
in a lot of ways, we are just not a natural fit. Yeah. When you think, when you start to see us through a cultural lens as opposed to a sexual orientation lens, you realize that culturally, gay men and lesbians don't necessarily have a ton in common intrinsically. And then when you fold in trans people on top of that, who could be gay or straight or, yeah. or anything in between, it's a very diverse coalition, which don't get me wrong, makes it beautiful and will makes it stronger. But it does mean that it's incumbent upon us to learn each other's languages, so to speak, to to get together with other people in the community, be they intersex or on the ace spectrum or mm. transgendered or lesbian or pansexual, or gay, to come together from all walks of life and get to know each other. Because if we don't understand each other, how can we expect straight people to understand us? There's just no way. For sure. Yeah. Britt, I want to say a very big thank you for coming on the show today and discussing with us your ideas. It's been really, really nice chatting with you. Fascinating stuff. Where can people pick up a copy of your book? Well, first of all, thank you so much. It's a, it's a pleasure to talk with you as well. Uh, uh, I love Australia. You. I haven't been to Australia in about five years, but I had a blast when I was there. So it's great to talk to you guys. So my website is really the hub for all of my work, BritEast.com. And you can find my social media profiles there. I have a free blog. I have free articles that I publish. And that's also where you can buy my book. It's got a link to where you can find it on Amazon. And as we Mm -hmm. get on additional e-tailer sites, it'll be there as well. But that's really the best place to go to find all of my work. Oh gosh, that was a fun episode, guys. Yep. Uh, yeah. I hope that soon we're back in the studio so I can see your smiling faces. Um, Sing at us <laughs> awkwardly. <but laughs> keep the songs coming. But thank you to our listeners who have supported us through our Patreon and uh, love you guys. Uh, love you guys. Mm-hmm. We've got some juicy, juicy after-show content mm-hmm. since mm-hmm. since Tom's gone. We have yeah. free we have to talk about drag race. <laughs> <laughs> It's fully going to be the longest after show ever. It's like Ooh, 20 hours yeah. long. Look, I've got nothing on. It's fine. <laughs> We're actually just going to watch an episode together and comment on it. Uh, but yeah, don't forget to subscribe to all our socials. You should know what they all are by now on Instagram. And if you haven't subscribed to our after show, you should definitely do that on our Patreon. And thank you to our guests for thanks oh, to our thank awesome so guests much. this week. So much fun, really so fun, fun interviews. This was a fun episode. This yeah, it was fun nice episode. and fun, cool. informative. Loved it. Fun, informative. Loved it. That should be on a t-shirt. <laughs> it's like that. the live, laugh, love, but forget yeah. like today. <laughs> That's Sexuality. Oh my God, this, ah! is, this is something. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll see you guys in Untucked, eh? In the yeah. Untucked. Yes. Yeah. You we'll see you in the Golden Lounge. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.